Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. You are listening to the Faces of TBI podcast series. This episode is brought to you by MSNC Brain Rehabilitation, a Minneapolis-based clinic staffed by a caring and progressive team of chiropractic neurologists who are experienced in treating conditions such as post-concussion rehabilitation, chronic pain, dizziness, whiplash, and migraines. They are the concussion doctors you can trust for comprehensive brain health rehabilitation in Minnesota. They have greatly helped me and many others in the Twin Cities. You can find them online at mnconcussion.com. Hello, everyone. I am Amy Zalmer, and you are listening to Faces of TBI, a podcast series for survivors by survivors, raising awareness about traumatic brain injury one podcast at a time. Those of you who might not be familiar with who I am, I am a TBI survivor from a fall on the ice in 2014. I am a frequent contributor to the Huffington Post, and I volunteer on the Brain Injury Association of America's Advisory Council. I recently released my first book, Life with a Traumatic Brain Injury, Finding the Road Back to Normal. And we had our second book just recently come out called Surviving Brain Injury, Stories of Strength and Inspiration. And both of those books are available on Amazon. And you can learn more about me at facesoftbi.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Amy Zelmer. So today's episode, I am talking with Becky Henry. And we're talking all about self-care and mindfulness. And she's going to share some useful tools to help us calm our anxiety and stress. And everything we're talking about today is perfect for the survivor as well as a caregiver. Becky Henry inspires people to reclaim joy. In 2003, Becky created Hope Network LLC, inspiring families living with eating disorders to let go of pain and suffering and get their lives back. She is the national award-winning author of Just Tell Her to Stop, Family Stories of Eating Disorders. Becky is a certified professional co-active coach and associate certified coach designated by the International Coach Federation. Becky Henry's Hope Network LLC is changing the way caregivers are supported while caregiving. Through education, coaching, and a community of support, hopelessness and helplessness are replaced with hope. So, Becky, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to have you here today. Um, I also wanted to add that Becky, I recently met Becky. She's here locally with me, and she's part of my women's writing group. So it's really neat to have someone on the show that's here locally, too. So welcome to the show, Becky. Thank you, Amy. I'm a beer. Yeah. So, Becky, why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background about what you do. I know, you know, I kind of gave the brief synopsis in the introduction, um, but you really specialize in working, um, you know, you've done a lot with people with eating disorders, and a lot of the things we're going to talk about today, you know, they're not specific to any one type of disease or injury or problem. Um, These techniques can just be used across Mm -hmm. the board uh, for self-care. So, why don't you right. give our listeners a little bit of background about you? Okay. 
Sounds good. Yeah, the reason I help with self-care and mindfulness and all this is because my clients are the parents of children with eating disorders. So I provide the the coaching for the parents. When when parents take their child to an eating disorder treatment center, that focus of the treatment center is to help the child. And I'm helping these treatment centers now to help the parents, which in turn helps the child. So when the parents' anxiety and fears are calmed down, the parents can be better support for their loved one who is sick. So whether it's an eating disorder or a traumatic brain injury or cancer or some other illness, caregivers need to get their oxygen masks on. So I do one-on-one mm-hmm. coaching, group coaching, and retreat for to have some eating disorder. Just to be here, I don't work directly with the person. I have purpose to be here. Um, great. I I think my phone has a very odd connection right now. <laughs> um, can you hear me okay, Becky? I can hear you just fine. It seems to be a delay after I stop talking. There's quite a delay before you start talking. Yeah, I'm going to let you start digging in to your... I can go ahead and do that while you're having your phone issues. So <laughs> I'll just go ahead and jump in so that um, the listeners can really get the sense of what we talked about. So when you, have, when you are a traumatic brain injury survivor or you're a caregiver of someone with a traumatic brain injury or you're a caregiver of somebody else with another illness, it's really important to practice mindfulness and self-care. And I know a lot of us as caregivers tend to think that it's selfish and that we should be taking care of our loved one who's sick. And, you know, if you've had the traumatic brain injury yourself, it might not occur to you that this is so important. So I'm going to just talk about some of the tools I've used with parents that they've told me have been really, really useful. The first is breathing, which might sound really, really basic. We all do it all day, every day, but we're not doing it mindfully. And when we start to do it mindfully, then it calms down our central nervous system. It it gives us some more capacity to be able to be present and to be able to think clearly and have focus. So I I know that I got frustrated when people told me, oh, you need to breathe. I'm like, yeah, whatever, go jump in a lake. You know what? You're not dealing with what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Um, But when I found out that, you know, it really does help. I was like, oh, okay, it's not just breathing. It's just really paying attention to our breath. So there are lots of different breathing tools that I teach people. Um, Just a couple that I'm going to share with you are um, that when you breathe in, you can pay attention to the feeling of the air coming in through your nose and notice the coolness. And as you just kind of breathe it in, just Feel that coolness of the air through your nostrils and let it go down to your belly. And, you know, so many of us focus on holding our bellies in, but this isn't the time to do that. This is the time to let that air go down into your belly all the way down and let it go out like that Buddha belly and let it fill and hold it there for a moment. And then breathe out through your mouth or your nose, whatever is more comfortable for you. And so that's just some basic, really basic breathing, but you can really amp that up by using some counting with it and breathe in for four, hold for seven, and breathe out for eight. 
And so some of you may have heard of a four, seven, eight breathing, and that's how it works. You just breathe in for four, hold for seven, and breathe out for eight. And you do it when you're feeling these times of, you know, panic or anxiety or stress and, you know, something may be happening or maybe really challenging. It's a great time to use that because it just calms us down and then we have a lot more capacity. Have you tried that one before, Amy? Oh, yes. I love breathing. Like, I, you know, I notice almost instantly when I consciously go to do my deep breathing, it's like almost instant, like a lot of that anxiety melts. Like if I'm at um, the mall and I'm starting to have like a little bit of an anxiety attack, I might go sit on a bench and just simply do a few deep breaths. And Nobody knows you're mm-hmm. doing it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, right. it's very subtle. Right. You can do it sitting in a meeting. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you can. Just paying attention to your breath really just is amazing what it does. It takes us right into our body and calms us and stops all that chatter that's going on in our brains. And and I particularly like and the I, 478 for people. I always just say when you're falling, trying to fall asleep, I know a lot of people with anxiety, it's hard to fall asleep. And to do that one, you know, having to count those breaths really helps take stop that what we call monkey mind. And so people have told me that yes. it helps them get to sleep. The chatter. Mm-hmm. The chatter. And I also just yeah. want to add, you know, that those deep breaths get that oxygen flowing through your blood. It gets the oxygen going to your brain. And that that in itself helps heal the brain so it's breathe oh, deep breathing is incredibly powerful and good for our bodies yeah yeah and then the my next tool that I teach people and there are lots of different breathing techniques and I do a regular breathing meditation on a um, Facebook group that's for mothers of kids with eating disorders called MAED um, and uh, every day I share a breathing meditation there so sometimes we combine them the breath work with a meditation and I just find I get videos on YouTube and I share them there and I test them out so I do them every day before I share them and it's really an incredible way to just soothe yourself when when things might be really hard you know and you just feel like what can I do next just going on YouTube and finding looking up a meditation and I'll just just search on YouTube breathing meditation for anxiety or breathing meditation for calming down you know lots of different angles on that, you know, how to be focused. And uh, there are all kinds of videos on there. So that's another one that I like. Um, The next one, and you and I talked about this a little bit, Amy, was the DBT skill, dialectical behavior therapy, for that mindfulness and distress tolerance. And I took the 21-week adolescent and parent DBT skills class years ago with my own child and found it to be fantastically helpful. I wish that DBT was being taught starting in preschool to children. And the, some of the skills get a lot more complicated that you wouldn't learn till much older. But um, some of them are really basic. You know, one of my favorites is the Mona Lisa smile. It's just, you know, you could be in traffic or, like you said, in the mall, Amy, and, you know, you've, you're feeling overwhelmed or whatever. And you can just smile like Mona Lisa. And what it does is it tricks our brain into thinking that we're actually happy and releases those happy chemicals, all those good endorphins that make us feel good. And uh, when I'm speaking, I often do, uh, speaking to audiences, 
I'll t- do what I call laughter yoga. And it's just basically laughing like a silly person. And it it tricks our brain into thinking that we're happy and laughing. And it releases all those great chemicals. So that's just one really simple DBT skill. But like I said, they do get a lot more complicated. And it sounds like you're typing there, Amy. <laughs> you're taking notes. I am. I'm <laughs> making notes. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, anybody can look up dialectical behavior therapy skills online and you can find them all online. There are so many great ones that you can use to calm yourself, you know, really thinking about, you know, what is my objective here with this conversation is a piece of one of the skills. You know, what is the outcome I want to have? Um, there are some really great mindfulness and distress tolerance skills that you can use. And we can go into those more later if we have time. Uh, and I talked about laughter yoga, um, and it's it's very silly, and you can feel really funny doing it, but you can just start laughing, and you can do it right now if you want, just like, ha, 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 it is, and then you start laughing because you sound funny, and then and then you really are laughing. <laughs> yeah. It's really, <laughs> I really like doing it with audiences because they're all sitting there, serious, looking at me, you know, with these serious faces because I'm talking about these serious things, and I get them standing up and we do it, and they're all smiling and laughing, and it's just amazing. I just think it's incredible and an incredible um, tool to have that we can use anytime. And, you know, another thing, Becky, with that laughter yoga is a lot of people after a brain injury have apathy, meaning they just really don't Mm -hmm. have any desire or any desire Mm -hmm. to do anything or any real emotional response, right? Like we're just Mm -hmm. very, like, flatlined. And I remember Mm -hmm. it just took energy to laugh. Right, like if some if I was mm-hmm. watching something funny on TV, I was like, oh, that's funny, but I wouldn't laugh. Mm-hmm. And intentionally mm-hmm. doing laughter like that, yeah, you might actually be faking it, you know, but it does. It mm-hmm. feels good, mm-hmm. and it it gets your your body moving, and it gets the diaphragm moving. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just I kind of wanted to yeah. add that for anyone listening who does have apathy, um, just just try it, yeah. you'll be surprised. <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Yeah, to, for to counter that apathy piece and to learn how to laugh mm-hmm. again. And, and people who are going through a really difficult time, it seems counterintuitive to laugh. It's like, well, I might have a child who's right. very sick or terminally ill. Why would I laugh? That seems wrong. That seems like it's um, not honoring my loved one who's really sick. And actually it is honoring yourself who may be recovering and it's honoring your loved one who may be very, very ill because then it fills your cup up and you have more to give them. And so when you start to have those old beliefs that, oh, well, this isn't very um, loving of me to be sitting here laughing when my loved one might be in a, uh, you know, a very sick or unwell situation, it really truly is. It's a gift to them and it's a gift to you. So please tell those those uh, guilty beliefs and guilty voices to just take a hike. They don't need to be here. This is really what you need to do for you right. and your loved one. <laughs> it takes a lot to get over that. I get it. I get it. It can seem really counterintuitive. I know. Uh, but just 
if you just give it a try. And even if you're alone in your car, if you're in bad traffic and you're just like, really, I'm late for an appointment, just start laughing. And it's amazing. You'll go into that meeting late. You'll show up late still, but you'll feel better and you'll come across with a much more wonderful presentable that you're meeting. Yes. So my next one, I'm trying to stay on time here, and and we can always go back to these if if we have more questions on them or more time, Um, but joyful movement. And I don't like to use the word exercise because of the field that I work in. Some people with eating disorders take exercise to the extreme, and with our world focus on fighting obesity, so many people think that exercise and is great for everybody no matter how often and no matter how much, and that's not the case. <laughs> you can actually over-exercise and hurt yourself very badly. Yeah. So I like, I like to use the term joyful movement instead, and I'm not the only one. It's not just like my word. A lot of people use it. And when I say joyful movement, it's anything that gives you joy while being in your body and being physical. It might be dancing. There are you know, I don't even know how many kinds of dancing there are, tons and tons. Um, so it might be slow dancing. It might just be dancing in your kitchen. Nothing, you know, not like you go have to go take a salsa class or something. But it might just be, you know, putting on some music and dancing in your kitchen slowly, whatever works for you. Um, some people love Tai Chi. I did a Tai Chi class outside in the springtime in Minnesota once here. And mm. I felt like I had been on vacation for a year. I mean, it was just incredible. I, was like, I love wow. Tai Chi. Yeah. It's such a great way to reconnect with your body, isn't it? It just mm-hmm. call me. Less. And, and it's and gentle. Then like, it's very, stretching. very gentle. It's so gentle. And, and I think for people who are dealing with really serious, you know, brain injuries or dealing with other serious illnesses, um, to do something gentle is important because our body is processing all the trauma that's happened to us, whether the trauma is physical or emotional or both. Our body's processing it, and we need to be gentle with it. So to do something gentle, even like stretching, you know, some people think, oh, well, I'm not going to lose any weight when I do stretching. Well, it's not about losing weight. It's about keeping your body healthy and strong and connecting with it and healing it. And stretching is such an important part. When we don't stay flexible, that's when injuries can happen. So that's a really good thing to do. Um, Like yoga. And some people say, well, I can't do yoga. I have a bad knee or I have a, you know, this or that. And if you, you know, go to a yoga class and let your instructor know what your injuries are, the yoga instructors are all really well trained to know, to be able to say to you, well, don't do this move. When we do this, you may want to just lay in savasana, which is basically laying on your back. And if you need a support under your knees, they'll bring you that. Um, You know, so everybody can do yoga no matter what. I mean, I know people, there's a fellow here in Minnesota who's in a wheelchair who teaches yoga classes. Yeah. So, um, yep. <laughs> everybody can do yoga. And yoga, <laughs> yoga was definitely a very crucial um, part of my recovery. Uh, I I finally mm-hmm. sat down with my yoga instructor and was like, "Let's figure out five things that I can do because I couldn't do much. I was so I had a head injury plus I had my sternum and rib cage and everything was dislocated. So." we found five poses and those five poses, I did them every single day and eventually wow. I was able to do more. 
and get deeper wow. in the poses and, and start to turn my head. And, you know, it was so mm. powerful in my recovery. Like, I feel like if I hadn't started doing yoga when I did, and I'm not talking going to core power yoga. Like, that is not what's <laughs> going to help you. It's finding someone who can work one-on-one with you and understand your limitations. Because whether it's balanced, dizzy, physical, you know, maybe you are in a wheelchair, you can still do yoga. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I just, um, mm-hmm. I feel yoga, I feel very strongly that yoga helped me in my recovery. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so great. I love it, Amy. You know, um, when I learned about the fellow here, and I'm blanking on his name, I have his book. I am too. Um, with Mind Body <laughs> My body solutions, I'll find it while we're talking. But um, when he explains to me about how, even though he's a paraplegic, he when he, someone invited him to do yoga, he thought they were nuts. He, they're like, uh, he said, don't you see the wheelchair? You know, how can I do yoga? And they said, I don't care if you're in a wheelchair, come into the class. And he did. And, you know, now that, that he teaches it, I mean, it's just so amazing. And he said it really helped him reconnect with his body, even the parts of his body that he can't feel anymore. And I just... Matthew Sanford. Yes, Matthew Sanford. That's right. So it yes. was, yeah, really inspiring talking with him and, you know, just seeing what he does. He's, he's really helped a lot of people who are um, trying to reconnect with their bodies for whatever reason. You know, it might not even be somebody who's had a traumatic brain injury or or any kind of an injury, but a lot of people do need to reconnect with bodies. And I think so many of us have gotten away from staying connected with our bodies, and that's when we really start to get more stress. So... um, it's yeah it's yoga can be a really good thing and there are lots of back to youtube you know you can always look up yoga on youtube yeah, you like exactly leaving, you know your home i i just think you youtube is such a great uh, great tool that we don't realize that we have most of us have right at our fingertips so right. I encourage people to try that um so that's my my spiel on joyful movement and you know there's any any number of things you can do. I mean, some people might want to do walking. Uh, you know, if you're feeling up to it, you can do, you know, things that are even more, require more, you know, ability and energy. But, um, you know, if you're dealing with a traumatic brain injury, as you told me, Amy, it might not be, you know, getting out and playing basketball. That might not be the best thing to be doing. Right. You know? Right. So... Walking is amazing. I, you know, it's just uh, most people can do it for many, many years, and it doesn't have to be fast. So that's important to remember. Right. I lost, I lost ten pounds, twelve pounds this summer just from walking. I would walk um, two miles each day, and it took me like I'm a slow walker, and it took me about forty-five, fifty-five minutes to walk two miles every day. Um, but I did it, and That's I great. lost 12 pounds. And, again, like, we're not looking about the weight aspect, but, like, that was a, a benefit of getting out and moving. Right. It, it can be. It can be a side effect. And, you know, um, a lot of doctors are telling people to lose weight for their blood pressure now, for instance, or lose weight mm-hmm. for whatever. And what what they're really missing to lose weight as the goal, most of the time people fail. And they feel a lot more stress. 
But if you tell people, well, you know what, change these behaviors for your health, go walk or do some sort of joyful movement and change your behaviors around, you know, what you're putting into your body, then they can gain health. And the weight's going to do what the weight's going to do. So for your body, that happened to be the result was there was some weight loss, you know. Other person's body, it might be more weight loss. Somebody else doing the exact same thing, it might be no weight loss, you know. So everybody's body is going to do what it's going to do, but it's still going to benefit the body, you know, like you're saying, to just get out and move. Yes. Yeah. So my next um, tip is just to stop, you know, when you're in a situation where you're feeling really anxious. Instead of just going down that rabbit hole, or, you know, or that yes. vortex of of panic, <laughs> it's so easy to do that, isn't it? It's just like, ah, to just say, stop to yourself. Okay, stop. I'm not going there. I'm going to notice how I'm feeling right now. I'm feeling really anxious. I'm feeling really stressed. I'm feeling really worried, whatever it is. Hopeless, helpless. I'm going to notice that. Okay. And name the feeling. Just name it. And then breathe. Do whichever breathing technique you like. And um, I you know, I have a YouTube page that I save all my breathing meditations on. It's on my YouTube channel. Um, I think if you just look up Becky Henry on YouTube, you'll find it. And you can look at any one of those meditations if you need to do some breathing. If that, you know, if you need to find some breathing tools. And then choose a different thought. Choose the thought you want to have. Be conscious. After you've stopped, you've noticed, and you've breathed, and you've calmed yourself down, then you go, okay, what do I want to choose to think about right now? And it sounds so simplistic, but it's hard when you're in the moment of it. And it's just like, well, wait a minute, I'm just panicked, you know? I just found out X, Y, or Z, some horrible thing, and I'm panicking. It's like, okay, is panic going to serve me well here? You know, maybe not. Maybe I'll stop. Maybe I'll notice that it's panic. I'll breathe, and I'm going to choose a different thought. Like, oh, what if I chose I'm going to be going forward competently and thoughtfully with focus to handle this situation? Then your fear response is going to be much lower and you'll actually handle the situation much more effectively. Even though you might feel like, well, I don't have time to do that. This is a dire situation. I mean, unless your house is on fire typically or your car is going to crash with somebody, you, you have some time to do that and calm yourself down and choose a different thought. And it, it's so, so powerful when you master that. And it can take a long time to practice and don't beat yourself if you're not there right mm-hmm. away, just practice it. You know, stop, notice, breathe, and choose is what I call that one. And uh, did you have any comments on that one, Amy? No, no, just the choosing positive thoughts over negative is incredibly powerful. It is, isn't it? It can be so hard when you're feeling sad or worried to choose a positive thought. And, um, it is possible. We really can do it. And you know, if if people have depression, that makes it a little. It makes it harder, but it's still possible. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. what, you know, you know, I always recommend if people are having depression, go see a therapist who does cognitive behavioral therapy, and then somebody who does the actual. There's one called CBE that's an enhanced cognitive behavioral therapy where you do notice the thought, you watch it float by, and then you choose another thought. 
and that can be really effective for that. Um, and then before we wrap up, I, you know, eating and sleeping regularly is always a good one. <laughs> you know, sometimes mm-hmm. those are important. <laughs> you know, keeping that blood sugar level is really important, and uh, it can really change, affect our sense of peace and calm and well-being. I know if I go too long without food, I get really cranky. And if I have a regular food, I do okay. You know? So it seems simple. Becky, I but, don't mean um, to cut you short, but we only have about 90 yeah. seconds left. Okay. So, um, All right. And my, your last, my last one, one there. Notice, you have one more. Notice distress. Yep, just notice distress. And simply notice it without judgment and then you can go forward and choose what you want to do instead. That's it. And I am going to add, I'm going to add one more, and that is to stay okay. hydrated. Um, yes. I think that's particularly with TBI, it's something that a lot of us don't do. We need to remember to stay hydrated, drink lots of water. Absolutely. So, Becky, thank you so so very, very much for being here. This is wonderful information, um, and I just thank you so very much. And thank you, are you everyone who is listening. I hope that you all have enjoyed today's show. And another thank you to our sponsor, MSNC Brain Rehabilitation, the concussion doctors you can trust for brain health rehabilitation in Minnesota. And be sure to visit facesoftbi.com to listen to previous podcasts and see upcoming topics. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being a part of my journey. I'll see you next time, everyone.